In a world filled with chaos, we're being told to focus on Christmas. How can Christmas change what's going on in the world? That's the question of the hour. Join me during this Christmas season to discover who's in the manger. Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that Christmas is here again. It seemed like just a few days ago that Sherry and I, and yes, it was Sherry and I, we were packing up our Christmas things. It takes us days. Anybody else? It takes us days to get everything back up. But in another sense, my friend, it seems like it's been an eternity. It seems like it's just been an eternity since, since Christmas came. I, I'm telling you, uh, in our prayer room this morning, uh, one of our guys said it's been a long year. I, I want you to, to notice the Word of God with me, Luke chapter 2. And verse 10, and the angel said to them, you need to hear these next words, fear not. I don't know what you're facing, what you're thinking, what you've been through, but the Bible says through Christ you can fear not. Now watch, for behold, I bring you, personalize it now, you, to you, to you right now, good news. How many need good news this morning? I mean, I'm excited about good news news. I know the game was tough for half the crowd in this room, and for those who are not Georgia fans, you'd been for anybody. You'd been for the devil. I know that. I Just the way y'all are. But I bring you good news this morning. That good news is this. Listen to this. It's for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Here it is. A Savior. Someone to deliver. Maybe you went through a tough week this week, and you're glad that you got delivered from it. Or maybe there's something right now that you're going through that you need deliverance from. There is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now today, we begin a new series together entitled, if you look behind me here, Who's in the Manger? And the answer is, it's part one today, Jesus is. Now, I want to, all month long, we're going to focus not just on the story, but on the significance of what Christmas is all about. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a unique series that you, unlike maybe you've ever heard before, because we're going to walk through the examples in Scripture of how that the one that was in the manger made the difference in people's lives. So today, as we think about this, I'm just going to talk with you, discuss some things with you in three different areas. Let me make some, number one, some statements about Christmas. I look at this statement, number one, as it comes on the screen for you. The story of Christmas was at one time very familiar. Is that true? It was very familiar to most people. But let me ask you this, how many people with that, with that statement in mind really know the significance of Christmas? So I want to ask you today, why would you want to worship the biblical Jesus that's taught in the Bible? You say, what do you mean? I want you to think about this second statement. The story of Christmas is filled with strange things. Let's be honest. They're filled with strange things. We're going to see them in a moment again. I mean, you think about the Christmas story. It begins with this guy living in this area, and, all, and he, he's engaged to this woman. Uh, it was before our time, and they, they would not have any, any physical relationships before they'd get married. And one day she comes to him, and she says, I'm pregnant. And I had to be a shock to him. And, and she says, but I, I've had sex with no one. Now, friend, I, I, I believe a lot of things, but it's hard to believe that. It's kind of strange. And she says the Holy Spirit spoke to me and, and said that, that the Holy Spirit was going to miraculously put with inside of me a, a child who was going to be the Son of God. That's pretty strange. 
And it gets even worse for us because the guy, he has a dream and he sees an angel and he, and he says, all right, I, I'll follow this through. So they consummate the marriage without any physical relationship. And then they are told because the census was being taken, they had to go and register in, the, in his hometown. And they, they, go to, they go to Bethlehem, this little out-of-the-way place. And while they're there, she says, uh-oh, I'm going to have the baby. And it was so busy, there was no room for them to stay. There, there's no motel to stay. She has the baby in a, in, a, in a manger. Now where I'm from, the manger's usually in a barn or it might be out in the field. Is that true? You feed them in different places and to think that a, a baby would be put there and then to top it all off, supposedly there's this heavenly choir of angels that, that go to these lowly shepherds and tell them that it, there's good news and fear not and they go and worship him. And friend, I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, but that's a strange story. You say, yeah, but I believe all of it. Well, are you living as if you believe it? Because if you live at you, if you believe it, here's the third statement: the, the significance of Christmas is greater than most people realize. You say, Pastor, I, I, what do you mean? Well, it, it's greater, and here's the reason it's greater: not everybody understands it. Write this reference down: Second Corinthians chapter two, verses fourteen through fifteen. I hope you didn't come to hear a sermon today. I hope that you came to meet with Jesus. I hope that you didn't come here a preacher to perform today, but you came to have something that would impact your life. Paul said to the Corinthian church, the natural mind cannot discern the things of the Spirit. In other words, God's Word, because they are spiritual. And if you don't have an ongoing relationship with Jesus, these strange things can, can kind of trip you up. And what ends up happening is, is this, is that we combine the, the stories that the world tells and the story that the church tells, and we kind of come up with this, that, that everybody feels better during the Christmas season, but nothing changes. Is that true? I mean, Friday night, I mean, we, we sat with thousands of people. First time that, that usually I'm here back serving, we're on the front end of the parade. But we got a good seat, been sharing. John did around some other people, Mickey and Weston, a bunch of other people were there. And, and so we were all spread out. And I watched the whole parade. And not one time did somebody scream at me. Not, not one time did somebody get mad at me over some of the things that have been people getting mad over in society. Not one time were people upset. I mean, black and white, Hispanic, everybody that went by us said this and on their float. Andy, this was a shock. Merry Christmas. There was no Xmas or anything else for one hour and three minutes. I timed it. I'm not much of a parade person. People were nice to each other. But an hour later, they went back to where they were because they missed the significance of this. Church, I want to tell you that, that this Christmas season, more than ever in my life before, I'm excited about what God can do because He's the one in the manger. The author by the name of Craig Lozebrand, he says it best. He said this, the sure path to tomorrow was plotted in a manger and it was paved on the cross. And although this sturdy byway is ours if we are Christians for the taking, he said this, I, I confess that I've often chose lesser paths at Christmas. Could it be that maybe it's time for the church to realize Christmas is a promise that we can walk through the world and never get lost in the woods? I find that the church is lost in the woods. You see, in 2021, many churches, thank God ours is not one of them, many churches are barely able to keep the doors open. 
Many, many pastors are discouraged and, and not even trying to meet. Many people are looking for ways to get out of being a part of the kingdom of God. And it's a difficult time for a lot of places. But when you understand this, listen to this, that, that God has a significant thing to do that he taught us when Jesus came. And these things can change us. Change us. I'm going to tell you today, you're not in the manger. You, you say, I was born in a hospital. That's right. But Jesus came in lowly settings to say that no matter how low you are, I can change your life. And he's changing the lives of people everywhere. He said, well, okay, preacher, tell me the story. All right, I'm going to tell you the story. That's the second thing we're discussing, the story of Christmas Day. Look with me in chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says this, chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, in those days. You see, sometimes you and I would do well to look around us at what other people are going on, not just us. This week in, in our, one of our churches in Malawi, we lost a pastor. We lost a pastor who died this week, a part of our team. He's 70 years of old, age. He lived 20 years longer than anybody usually does in Malawi. He went to the hospital, wasn't feeling well, not COVID or anything. He said that night, he said, I'm okay. He went to sleep. The next morning they came to check on him. He was gone to be with Jesus. They buried him the very, very day. And that village is all to pieces now because they see their significance in the church. And all that we in our day, where we are, would look bigger than where we are. In those days, it was difficult. Listen to what the Scripture says. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should have a census. And we find that this was taking place when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And each went to be registered, each to his own town. Here was the deal. Romans now was ruling. They began to rule about 112 B.C. because the Maccabeans had given Israel freedom, but they had come and overtaken them, but much of the world. But you say, preacher, it was a bad time. Yes, but it was a good time. It was a good time because with Rome taking over the world, Rome connected the whole world with its major road system, kind of like us today with media being able to do that. And so it was the perfect time. And the Scripture says, now notice what in verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. How many of you have heard this before? You've read this. How many of you in the room? Wow, most of you have. Some maybe have not. Let me tell you about Joseph for just a moment. Over at Rock Springs this morning, Benny takes spent his, his whole message. That's where he's spending today there. But I'm just going to take just a moment to tell you some things maybe you didn't know about Joseph. Joseph was well-skilled as a carpenter. Tony, had he, had he been, been in your company, you, you would have moved him up the ladder because he had great abilities. But here was his problem. He was born in a poor city. He was born in such a poor place that he had all the ability and he could have made as much money as people had over in Jerusalem. But because he lived in Nazareth, he could not make as much money, so he was poor. His, his marriage had been arranged for him because that's just the way they did it in the Jewish society. A poor guy making very little money, he was going to, his marriage was set for him. And I tell you, he'd fallen on hard times. Because if you read the scripture in the book of Psalms, it said that one from the life, of, from, from the very lineage of David would be on the throne of Israel forever. And, and, and Joseph was in that line, but probably did not believe anything special could happen in his life. In other words, his was just a poor mess. You see, every week he probably went to the synagogue, and we'll see this in our series in, in January when we get to the awakening. Every, every week in synagogues, they would quote this in Jew, Jewish synagogues, Isaiah 64 and 1. Oh God, would you rend the heavens and come down. For 700 years, they'd been every, every time they met together, every time that one verse would be kind of like we used to sing the doxology when I was a boy. Every, it's kind of begin routine. And so, so Joseph would hear that sitting there probably looking at his crumbled hands 
all of the all of the, the the wear and the tear on his physical body, and there Joseph was. And all of a sudden, he, his father came to him. He said, "You know, the marriage has been arranged, and it's time." And so there he was. But his story takes a strange turn. If you'll look in verse five, he went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, Mary was pregnant. The news got around town. And thanks be unto God, because the people in Jewish society in that day were unlike today, abortion was not even thought of. Thanks be unto God that they would not kill a child that way or in any way. See, they still believed, Exodus 20 and 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. And so here Joseph was, and Joseph hears from from Mary. Mary says, listen, Joseph, i I, got to tell you this. I've been trying to keep it for a while, but I can no longer keep it from you because I'm starting to show that I'm pregnant, and I promise you that I did not have an affair. I've not had any physical relationship, and if I'd been Joseph, this poor, uneducated man whose life was difficult, I probably would have said, are you kidding me? You see, ours is a world is a mess. Sometimes I watch the news and say, are you kidding me? I listen honestly to some of you and look at your Facebook posts and I'm like, are you kidding me? I listen to preachers sometimes and say, are you kidding me? And honestly, just to be honest, Sherry sometimes at the house listens to me and she looks at me and she says, are you kidding me? Because we can get in a mess. And Mary told the story, I believe, probably word for word. If you want to know where the story was, it's Luke 1, 28 through 33. Listen, can you hear her saying to Joseph, Joseph, an angel came and said, Greetings, O favored one. Favored one, they're both poor. She's probably 14, between 14 and 16 years of age. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. I was troubled. I couldn't discern what greeting this was. But this angel said to me, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Yahweh saves. 700 years, her families had gone to the synagogues and when they had a temple to the temple and heard the priest cry out to God when the scripture was read, God, rend the heavens and come down. They had read Micah 5 and 2 that said that there'd be a Messiah who'd be born, he'd be born in Bethlehem. And she had no clue that in the midst of her mess that Christmas would come. See, I'm afraid of this today, that in American society, we're so good at working in the midst of a mess that we don't even think a miracle can come. We just, we just kind of, we've kind of given up on God doing the impossible. And we think if we just get by and have the mixed up, the messed up Christmas that it's okay. But on that day, Mary told Joseph, can you hear her? I'm going to bear a son. He will be your son. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest. And God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will rule forever and ever. I don't know about you, but I probably think about Joseph. as he, In the midst of their mess, he thought, what should I do? And then he goes back maybe to his, his woodworking shop, and there he is. And suddenly an angel, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, appears to him and says, Joseph, hear these words. And Andy, I thought about you this week. I don't know why, but I thought about you this week And when he said this, fear not. See, the people in this room, the guys and the ladies in this room, all of you, you just, you just were, and I just prayed, I don't know how many of you all prayed for you. Andy wasn't the only, I just prayed for you this week that you would fear not. 
Linda's dad went through surgery this week, and, but you know, he met Jesus last week. And when I, when I prayed with him uh, uh, through video, on, on the, it was Wednesday, I guess it was Wednesday, we prayed. He had such confidence that, that now that he knew Christ, he didn't have to fear. And he said to Joseph, the angel did, said, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. I've got to tell you today, this is an amazing story. You know what the Bible says that he did? The Bible says that he awakened from that dream, and he did what God said to do. I never get over this fact that God stepped into their mess and worked a miracle for them, and the miracle was his son, Jesus Christ. So I put this before you today. If your job is a mess, get Jesus in your job. If your parenting skills are a mess, get Jesus in your parenting. If whatever it is that you're in, whatever your part, if it's your health, get Jesus in. If it's your college, whatever it is, if it's your career, whatever it is, just get Jesus in your mess. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the quote's coming on the screen for you, that, that German pastor who, who, was, who was martyred just before the end of World War II, Hitler gave the decree for him. He said this, God is in the manger. He was born in poverty, a light in the darkness, and love offered to the world. So, friend, I tell you this today. For me, Christmas is not just getting together and doing a few things and, and trying to live through the month of all these events. It's so much deeper than that. So, so we've talked about some statements. We've seen the story. But what is the significance? What is the significance for us of Christmas. Think about this fact that, that the Bible says, look in verse 6 of Luke chapter 2, and while they were there, the time came. How many of you know in the room what that meant? I mean, I, the time came. I don't know if she's still on the donkey just getting into Bethlehem and he's looked around a few places, but she said, I'm going to have this baby. She said, I'm, I'm going to, it's now time for me to give birth. And I, by now I believe that Joseph was probably brokenhearted because he couldn't give the Son of God what he wanted to give him. And there he was. He had to come to Mary and say, Mary, I found a place. He gets her off of the donkey and there they begin to go. And Joseph, there's, there's the place where people stay, the bed and breakfast. Sorry, Mary, there's no room. So he takes her to the only place that he could provide. He takes her to a, a barn or a cave, they say, there in the side of maybe the mountain of Bethlehem, and takes some fodder and puts it in, in an old manger. And the Bible says, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, for there was no room. I wonder, is there room in your heart for Jesus? Not the 21st century version of Jesus. You see, when I read the Bible, I find that this Jesus is the Son of God. He was the promised one. He was the Isaiah 7 and 14, Emmanuel shall come. He is the answer of Genesis 3 and 15. You say, what do you mean? In Genesis 3, after the creation, when Adam and Eve walked away from God, God made a promise that there one day would come a Messiah who would crush the head of Satan. And now 4,000 plus years later, in that manger was Jesus who was the answer to the promise that God made. 
Not only that, He is the payment for our sins. Ephesians 1, 7, in Him, meaning Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins through His blood. Every year when I come to Christmas, I, I, I realize this, this is where my forgiveness began. I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness every day. I need His love and I need His mercy. I need rescue. I need a new life. I need peace every day. I need a purpose every day. And it began on the day that God said to His Son, I want you to go. And nine months later, on that first Christmas season, in that lowly manger, here came the Savior of the world. The old songwriter said it best, there's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, yes, millions, there's still room for one. That one is the one that hated on you this week. That one is the one who did their best to tear down everything that you believe in. It may be a group of people that are trying to tear down everything that, that you believe in. But understand something, the reason that they're doing what they're doing, all that you believe is just a story to them. It's just a story to them. All that it is is kind of strange. It doesn't make any sense. But you see, here's the deal. If Christ has really come into a person's life, there is this radical change. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Turn with me in your Bible, if you would, to John chapter 1, the gospel. Just, just one book to your right. Just one book to your, your right together. I, I want you to see this. Here's what John, John writes, John chapter 1 and verse 1. He does not write beginning the story of Jesus with his birth. He writes about him as the Son of God, the deity of who he is. He says this, John 1 and 1, say amen if you're there. I'm glad we're people of the book. In the beginning was the Word, that is the Logos, Jesus. And the Word, that's Jesus, was with God. And the Word was God. So in creation, He was there. He was the, it was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. You say, Pastor, that, that's great. So God was in creation. But why is there so much significance? Why was He born in a manger? Why all of that strange thing? Why didn't He just, why didn't he just do like everybody else, to be born in a hospital? Here's why. Because God wanted to do something so radical that people who are so busy like you and I would have to stop and say, wow, there's something here. Now notice verse 4 with me. In Him was life. Now watch. And the life was the light of men. You see, two things that are, are significant is this. Number one, Jesus is the life you desperately need. Now, I don't know if you get that or not today, but I'm telling you in my heart of hearts, He's the life that I desperately needed. Anybody in this room tired of the life you're living? Are you tired of just the hustle and the bustle and the fighting and all that you face? Part of the reason is you've forgotten that life's in the church. If you don't, many of you are watching on camera. If you don't, if you don't ever go to church, you don't, chances are you'll never meet somebody during the daytime that'll smile and shake your hand. You probably won't meet people that, that will elevate you and lift you up. But listen to me, when Jesus came in that manger, it was a picture for us. Look at the on the screen. Here's what it is: a broken heart. A broken heart is merely an empty manger inviting, listen to this, invite the Savior to dwell there. 
You see, that's why we have church, is to come in, you're broken during the week, and say, we want to lift you up. You see, and listen to this, in one moment, Wayne Gruden says a systematic theology, in one moment, when a person repents, in that moment, they were lost, and in the next moment, they're saved. You see, you're just, we're just, we forget the significance of this. We try to debate and tear down and win our opinion. And the reality is that that we're in darkness apart from God. But He comes to give us life. And I want to tell you today that I have life. And that life has changed me. And at the age of seven, I gave my heart to Christ. In children's church, down in that basement of the church, and life came flowing into me. And I now, by Henry Bagby, I understood why church was happy. I understood why that things were the way that they were in my household after Jesus came in. And some of you have forgotten that. And on that first Christmas, life was born that would give eternal life. Anybody here today that needs new life? You say, oh, preacher, I got that life. Well, are you living that way? You can. You should be. You ought to be spreading it around you. Jesus is, the, is not only the life you need, He's the light that you need. He says here, John does, in John chapter 1, I, I love it in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now think about this in grammatical statement. John, when he wrote this, somewhere around A.D. 60, 60 years after Jesus had gone back to heaven, John is now probably 80 years of age. And John says, as far as I know, (laughs) that's all he could say. The light has never been overcome by the darkness. Jesus does not only give you life, but he is the one who lights your path once that he gives you life. He becomes the Lord. He becomes the leader. The psalmist said this, Thy word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. God gives you this light. He directs your path. And there Jesus was, the the Son of God. And he says, Joseph, through his cry, Joseph, follow me. Mary, follow me me. Jesus said it later in his life. You can gain the entire world, but if you lose your soul, you've prospered nothing. You see, the truth is the significance of who was in the manger made my life possible. It caused me to come to a light that no matter how dark it gets in this world, I know the best days are still coming. But you see, my Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, we won't be saying who's in the manger. We'll say who's riding that white horse. And I'm ready, but I'm broken today because so many are not. So many are not. I I would go as far as to say, and I say it in grace and mean no disrespect, there are many churches that are not ready for Jesus to come back. Are you? In this room today, you may have come for the first time, maybe in a long time, or it's your first time here, or it may be that you're watching online. I would say this to you. Here's what you need. You need, you need to receive the life offered by Jesus. 
Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8 and verse 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows after me will not walk in darkness. It's time for you to bring your mess. Bring your mess. Remember, a broken heart is merely an empty manger. Invite the Savior to dwell there. I encourage you today to come to Jesus. For others of us in this room, I say this in love to you today. You need to start living the life Jesus has for you. You need to get out of the darkness. You need to get out of the fear. You need to get out of the frustration. You say, preacher, wherever I go, they frustrate me. Well, the last time I checked, when Jesus comes to be your life, you are no longer have your life in somebody else's opinion. That should have been a good place for an amen. You no longer have your life in the things that used to dominate your life. It's time you come out of the darkness and let Him light the path. And lastly is this, some of us need to just to follow the light by faith. We need to follow the light by faith, you know what, in these uncertain days knowing that God has a future for us. I believe the church is about to come to awakening. We're starting to see some of that here. Others are seeing in their church. And so, so listen to me. An old, old preacher said it this way, either get in, get out, or get run over. And I don't want you to have any of that. I don't want that any for you. I want you to be a part. But it all begins with, you know what, getting up. Getting up. Because you know what? If you're saved, Christmas reminds you that you're not chained. You don't have to be lonely. You don't have to be defeated. You don't have to live your life all alone. Just get up. Just get up like, I ain't doing this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to love His church. And I'm going to partner. And as I partner, I'm going to take this world for Jesus. Because whether you want to admit or not, the world is coming to Jesus. and He wants you to come to Jesus. Who's in the manger? Jesus. Will you join Him? Will you join Him today in that great redeeming power? Thank you for taking the time to find God's answers to life's greatest issues. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.